1: <laughs> back.
2: Welcome, everybody, to the Wrestling DeLorean podcast, episode 241. I'm your host, Mike De Niro, and I'm joined by a very special guest today, my co-host on the circle of debate, the guitarist for Faith Destroyed,
3: and fellow ECW fanatic, Chris Kennedy. What's good, man? Not much, man. I'm excited to literally get in the DeLorean and go back 24 years. Um, when you start talking this era of ECW, my mind gets in a flow state. It's, it's not... Slow itself down. Every, I am so comfortable talking about this content that I just cannot wait to do it with a hardcore fan like you. Awesome, man! I really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. I'm. I can't
2: wait. This is gonna be great. Great, but before we so, uh, like,
3: yeah, first of okay, many for sure.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. You're always welcome. Like, just let me know. Like, hey, I'm coming <laughs> on to you. you're more than welcome. Perfect. First, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors. First, threefallsbrand.com for wrestling DeLorean podcast merchandise and the best rock and wrestling merchandise on the planet. Check them out right here. Go to threefallsbrand.com. But here's what they do.
3: Three Falls Brand is a DOI merch company that provides original artwork on shirts, hats, stickers, and pins. Three Falls, WrestlePunk merch for the masses. Check us out at ThreeFallsBrand.com and on Instagram at ThreeFallsBrand.
2: Definitely check out ThreeFallsBrand.com for all your rock and wrestling merchandise. But also, shout out to our sponsors at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code DeLorean for 20% off all site-wide. Whatever it is, you know, you can get the lawnmower, the weed whacker, the ball deodorant, whatever you need, 20% off using the promo code DeLorean. But I'm excited. You're excited. Let's get right into it, man. ECW, WrestlePalooza 1998. It's his fourth pay-per-view ECW just started pay-per-views a year before with barely legal in April of 97. This is from Cobb County, Georgia, which is WCW territory. They're definitely on enemy territory overall, though, starting out. What
3: did you think of the show? Um, also a few blocks away from the Cobb County corrections facility. Shout out to big boss, man, which is a <laughs> point that they had to bring up uh, on the broadcast. Yep. Um, watching this. I didn't know with the pay-per-view when you said, ninety eight. I was like, I've definitely seen it. And then as I'm watching it, like as soon as it starts, I'm like, Oh yeah, I got this. I've seen this a million times. I just had to put two and two together. Um, I love that it starts out during the daytime in this big, wide open civic auditorium. You can see yeah. it, the Mezzanine is just daylight out and it's all bright. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, it's super bright. I'm just like, that's, that's so dope that they started. There's probably at like 4 PM on the dot. Um, I love this card, <laughs> and we just found out that a lot of people kind of don't. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. I mean, Shout out, Courtney. Thanks for joining. What up, Courtney? Uh, I, I don't know what people. I mean, okay, there's some points that were made that we'll get to, and spoiler alert, spoilers, spoilers alert for sure. Um, yeah. There are some points that were made where I'm like, yes, I can see why it was not um, respected, and we'll get into those. Uh, but overall it, this is this isn't a bad card it, it may not be the one i would show a new ecw fan as the penultimate this is the one that'll make you the fan but yeah. it's a classic there were some storylines in there that i enjoyed there's it covered a lot of ecw as a whole you had the comedy you had the hardcore you had the technical you had the flying and you had you had the you had the women, and you had the storylines, <laughs> and sure. the ECW was always really good at keeping to that formula where they really didn't exclude a cast of characters from their peanut gallery in one pay-per-view. So you really did get the full regalia on this on the on this particular premium live event. Oh gosh.
2: no! I definitely, I definitely agree. I feel like there's a couple matches here that just epitomize what ECW is. So like you said, this may not be my first choice to show people if I want to get them into ECW, but for sure, like ECW did what ECW does on this pay-per-view regardless. So I definitely think that it wasn't as bad as some of these, you know, lists that count down the best ECW pay-per-views make it seem to be. Cause there was, <laughs> there was a couple that I saw that said that this was the worst of all time. And I'm like, uh, but also, you also got to remember, ECW only had about maybe a total of 12 or 13 pay-per-views to begin with, so it's right. not that big of a list, but
3: for sure, I mean, I, I wouldn't say this was the worst, but... I, I don't even know think. what... Would, I mean, unless 12 of the other ones were just phenomenally better, this could be the worst, but that still doesn't mean it was bad, you know? Like, it could yeah. just mean there's that much, that much better. Um I mean... It was it was sloppy it was messy, but that's what we loved that was it seemed slightly disorganized having to watch it on peacock ruined the music for me because I'm just like yeah. bro I know what about. yeah like I'm like this is barely close to their theme songs and I they couldn't even get the rights uh to the copy to the to the covers that were featured on the hardcore album to play over it so yeah. It's, it's not the same for sure. Like I've mentioned before, it's like watching Pulp Fiction on TV. It's like, just hit, hit, hit the same thing, man. For sure. But still enjoyable. Once you get past the theme songs, I still enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Take it away, however you want to run down this, uh, this roster. I, I was actually surprised because I know on the
2: hardcore TV, they bleep out everything. I, I think a couple weeks ago, Taz said hell, and they bleeped it out. So, like, I was surprised that, you know, Shane Douglas was dropping F-bombs over here, and everything was – freely said so i'm glad that they at least didn't bleep out and censor it but for yeah, sure right they're
3: gonna, if they're gonna bleep out like hex and and butts and darns why ain't they bleeping out headshots cane sticks barbed wire pile drivers yeah. on women like what is the difference and it's the time old like like thing it's like would you rather your kid see a headshot or a titty like you know it's like man exactly right really good. what up ivan good man papi trulo <laughs> i love s a rios who also <laughs> managed by uh miss congeniality who got her start in ecw miss lita a lot of people don't know that a lot oh, of yeah, people don't know, of know that ingeniality she, she was with uh, uh, with, uh Steve Carino. Danny and, okay, and yeah and yeah, Corino. Okay.
2: so let's get into this card we start out That's with true. the fbi versus the BWO, which is a classic feud in ecw This is where you get some of, like, the more comedy spots. You know, we had a dance-off, which is typical for BWO and the FBI. Um, This was was a rematch from Hardcore TV from two weeks ago where we had that same dance-off. So this was, like, a rematch of the dance-off. But (laughs) I, I, you know, I think that if this was someone's first, I guess, chance to order an ECW pay-per-view in this time, they might have been really confused to see, like... Tracy Smothers, who's a known Southerner, pretending to be an Italian. And then you have the blue meanie in his crop top pretending to be Scott Hall. Like It's it's a real cast of characters in this matchup, but it just worked for ECW because that's what ECW was about. It was the land of misfit toys. So I think that this definitely showcased that. I like the matchup. I thought it was a pretty fun opener.
3: Yeah, I'm a huge BWO fan. I used to backyard wrestle in the BWO crop top, the blue one with the white lettering. <laughs> I, I love Stevie Richards. He wasn't there for this one. Um, yeah. I don't know if he'd already been gone or like there was a layover where like he was. Yeah, he's already known
2: around this time.
3: Yeah, he was in the Flock at that time, I believe. Yeah. Um, original Flock, which whole nother story I can get into about loving. Um, I loved the Nova. Supernova at the time was one of my favorite wrestlers because he was one of the early innovators of shit that like, you never saw before i stole so many of his moves in my backyard wrestled i stole his (laughs) he did like um like a seated power bomb in the corner but turned it into an elbow drop he was the first to do the downward spiral which was called the nova cane which edge and canyon both stole from nova look Mm -hmm. it up he was the first to do education which is the electric chair into the front face drop not education was edge did it was it um edge cater? Education was oh, the DDT. Yeah, I believe that
2: the, the educator, I believe, was the submission hold he did. So it might be the execution.
3: I, I'm right. not sure. Either but, way, I don't know Edge does it, that,
2: but we saw yeah. that here.
3: Um, I think he even did like the upside down, the reverse DDT into the Big Show. Eventually, started doing it. I forget what he called it. The Big Show oh, it's it's to the, the elbow, elbow, right? Yeah, it wasn't an elbow though. At least when Nova did it, it was a reverse DDT just into like an upside down bulldog where Big yeah. Show would drop the elbow. But, yeah, so many moves came from Nova, and I stole them all. I love that guy. Um, be, the Blue Meanie, um, fun fact, eventually became heavyweight champion of a company that I worked for, so I got to share a locker room with him and Jasmine St. Clair at the time, which is a crazy story in itself. That's awesome. ECW fans were – they were they were honest, but they were fair. These may not have been the cleanest most technical matches. They were sloppy. There were botches, but they were pure comedy – And they knew that going into it, and they appreciated every second of it. There was very few – the boos were where they needed to be. They were for the bad guy, not for the bad wrestling. The cheers were for the good guy, not for the also bad wrestling, you know? So the comedy in ECW worked because the fans appreciated it, and they weren't too harsh um, at the attempts at getting those characters over. And, yeah, they almost always exclusively started pay-per-views with a comedy gimmick. This is a classic setup of that. Yeah, for sure. And
2: talking about Nova, it's such a shame to see like what happened to him when he went to the WWE and the Simon Dean character, because he was a guy who really innovated a lot of moves and could have been given such a better spot. You know, later on in his uh, ECW tenure, he would wear a lot of like the superhero, like, I guess, gimmicks. And Yuri had Hurricane at the time, so he couldn't really
3: go with that character. But I'm sure they could have did something better than Simon Dean. Yeah, maybe. I don't know what was happening in that room. When that character came up, who was, was he the, he was, uh, fuck. he wasn't the fitness guy, right? He wasn't the guy with the earpiece. Yeah, he was. That was him. Okay, cool. Cause I know there was another guy that looked just like that. Um, but I'm, might be confusing the two. But yeah. I don't, it, it is, you get, you get what you get with Vince, you know, that's pretty yeah. much what it is. He has a character in his mind and then he finds a person for it. Not the other way around.
2: Yeah. No, so that is
3: where it is. Uh, Nova will always be Nova, supernova. And uh, yeah, just an innovator of just crazy indie wrestling. And I it still holds like a big special place in my heart for me.
2: Definitely doesn't get the respect I think he's due, but for sure, a really good opening matchup. I enjoyed it. Second, we got a grudge match right off the bat, like early on in this pay-per-view, because, you know, I know they showed the, um, the history between these two on the show, but man, like, it was real like heat that Justin Incredible had. They they had a match in Buffalo, I believe, around like December of ninety seven. And Mikey Whipwreck, who already had a torn ACL, and he was coming back with the torn ACL. It was like his second match back, and he beat Mikey Whipwreck at the November to Remember uh, pay per view to and Mike to end uh, Justin Incredible's um, win streak. So then Just Incredible took it out on him in Buffalo, which is around Mikey Whipwreck's hometown and re-injured the knee. But in attempts to actually like, I guess like gimmick it and not really injure him, he actually really injured him. He was laying in with those chair shots and Mikey Whipwreck was put back on the shelf. And I was reading that at this time, there was real heat between these guys because of that. So this was like an actual grudge match. And you could tell in this matchup, the intensity was there. Um, this is Whipwreck's first match back since December. So he spent a lot of time on the shelf because of just incredible re-injuring that leg. And Justin Credible, you know, he was the top heel, well, one of the top heels at the time and may know, you know, he, he didn't care that he injured him. He was out every week, like making fun of Mikey Whipwreck, hobbling along, like pretending I like to limp just to take shots at Mikey Whipwreck. So I felt like there was a lot of tension in this matchup, a lot of intensity, and it just added to the matchup for me. This was one of the sleeper matches of the night, I think. It was really good.
3: Yeah. With Just Incredible, you – that's such a ridiculously bastard of a character that you don't know what's real or not with that with, with him. So yeah. when you tell me that there was real heat, you couldn't tell that there wasn't. Um, he was so over the top a, an asshole that I don't think he was ever cheered his entire life, even out of respect, <laughs> You know, like as good of a wrestler he was as a, as big of a hardcore icon, he never once got cheered. Um, he may have been respected for sure, but he was just complete one of the all time greatest heels and just a, I don't even know the words. The, the, it's all just he's just he's just a mean motherfucker, <laughs> and you, you and you saw that in this match. And Mike Liprech, yeah. who is a Legendary wrestler. He is one of the few um, Grand Slam champions in ECW. If you're not counting the yeah. FTW title, um, the first underdog um, of ECW. Yeah, the I think the youngest heavyweight champion, also having the TV title and the um, tag titles two times, two times, um, has gone on to train some of the best in the world. When you look at his roster of students, I mean, I have of people you may know: Kurt Hawkins, Tony Neese, Zack Ryder, Jay Lethal might be his best student of all time. Yeah.
2: Um, I just was talking the other day because of the House of Glory show about how good Amazing Red is. Amazing Red
3: trained by yeah, Mikey Wilson. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and everything Joey Styles said, uh, who is never one to not want to break kayfabe, <laughs> is true. Joey Styles will shoot every chance he gets. The whole Stone Cold Steve Austin beating him for the belt, all this stuff like, and then he took the stunner. Yeah, probably. You could argue, obviously, that Johnny Ace was the first to do it. And he was. Yeah. He absolutely was to do He's anything with probably- but to do it with that setup the way the Wick was doing it, the Snapper, yeah. There's no coincidence that Austin took that from him.
0: And yeah, especially- it is what
3: it is. Moves get taken. And if you're on a bigger platform, who's going to care? And when I say who's going to care, I mean who's going to believe who, you know? Yeah. Like, if Austin's doing it on SummerSlam and you're doing it in the backyards of fucking Cobb County, Georgia, like, <laughs> millions of people are going to think you did it first. Exactly. And um, that is where it is. And – I always loved Whitaker had those fucking dragon shirts. He always those had like cool. it was always like um like Magic the Gathering over overcoat. It was like yeah, classic. he always had a different one every episode. He had
2: the one with the wizard,
3: which was pretty yeah, cool. yeah. Um, but yeah, this good match. I love the they weren't called the Impact Players, but it was Jason and uh, just incredible Chastity at the time was with them. Um, this is before I believe Lance Storm and Jazz were part of the Impact. They didn't even have that name, but yeah. This was a hard match to watch like as far as like it was it was violent. They went right they went right from comedy to hardcore and that con- that contrast was very apparent.
2: Yeah, for sure. I actually have a funny story about Justin Credible. Um about like I'd say maybe like 6 years ago, he was doing an indie in uh New York and my mom, me and my mom would actually like bond over independent wrestling and I took her to the show. I believe it was uh I'm trying to remember, I think it was called might be FTW. was Fight the World Wrestling. It was some small indie. And he was in the main event against a guy who I also just saw, Grim Reefer. And he was uh, – he came out and he had, like, a water bottle. And me and my mom were, like, actually front row. And he spit the water bottle into the crowd and it landed all on my mom. And my mom did not like that at all, so <laughs> she was – Pissed off to the point, like she really wants to fight the guy. I was like, "Man, it's a legend. It's water, chill, right?" But yeah, so shout out to Just Incredible. You know, he almost got to ask up me. your mom. <laughs> my mom like, was like, "No, nah, fuck that. Why is he spitting water on me?" I was like, "He wasn't spitting water on you. It was at the crowd.
3: It was like at- I saw him take <laughs> I've there with thirty with thirty Kendo stick shots. Man, that could have been your mom. <laughs> <laughs> no,
2: nah, my mom's a tough woman from New York. I think Just Credible would have definitely had a run for his money.
3: That been, I would have. I would. I would have paid money for that for sure. That's that's got to be the next. uh intergender hardcore match was good black heart no but for sure i, I was like my chill come on i love Justin <laughs> <Crabbe.">
2: <laughs> but no definitely a, a good matchup. that and like you said you know we went from comedy to like violence because it, it showed the contrast and it showed what ecw is all about and i i like that they had that contrast like back to back on the show yeah, yeah next up we have the ecw tag team title match it is chris candido and lance storm who don't get along They don't get along. Um, I'll tell you the backstory if you don't remember the backstory from there, but they go against Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten, the hardcore chair swinging freaks. Who do get along very well. Yeah, who do get along. Yeah. So, Chris Candido, he had Landstorm come into the triple threat when Bam Bam Bigelow won the title and left the triple threat, but he wasn't a full member yet. He was like in training to be in the triple threat. So, when it was
3: um, like a pledge.
2: Yeah. So when it was all like a plan to get at Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow showed that he was in the triple threat the whole time, Bam Bam Bigelow attacked Lance Storm, which led to Chris Candido also attacking Lance Storm. And Chris Candido and Lance Storm at the time was also tag team champions already. But the triple threat, they stuck together as they kicked out Lance Storm. Paul Heyman came out and said that they cannot drop the titles. Just because you don't get along doesn't mean that you just vacate the titles. So he made the rule that not only do they have to continue defending the titles, but they can't screw each other in the matchup. You can't purposely lose the titles either. So reluctantly, they're forced to win these match. well, face these opponents that they don't want to face, but they hate each other even more. And reluctantly, they have to tag team and be a team. So it's an interesting storyline that I haven't seen since. And these are like the type of storylines that were innovated by ECW. Like, you don't see that nowadays. You never see that again. And I thought it was a really interesting storyline. But you could see the tension between the two here, and they did not want to get along. I love the fact that they came out to Landstorm's music. Candido had to go back and come out to his own music, which, by the way, was horribly dubbed. That was supposed to be Back in Black by ACDC. You know, it sucks that they dubbed it over whatever with whatever music that the network put on it. But um, even to the announcer announcing Landstorm and Chris Candido, and Candido had it reannounced as Candido and Landstorm, I thought it was really uh, entertaining. But the match itself was really good, and I wrote down here that Axel Rotten is so underrated as a wrestler. People don't give Axel Rotten the the respect he deserves because he wasn't just like a hardcore guy doing like Taipei death matches and rolling around in thumbtacks. Like the guy could actually wrestle, and so could Balls Mahoney too. I remember matches with Balls Mahoney and Rob Van Dam where it was just a straight wrestling matchup, and it was amazing. I believe they even main evented um, a pay per view. So definitely, this was a good matchup. Clash of styles, but I think it worked.
3: Yeah, and that opening promo by Axel Rotten up on the balcony was a classic. He was oh, oh, very good on the mic. Balls wasn't really the talker in the group. Axel definitely was. Um, but to uh, forget the line, something. Let's get those pussies out here, or something, was <laughs> one of the lines to get Candido and Lance out there. And then they came out, and then the match happened. And I, the subtle nuances of being forced. To try to win <laughs> not wanting to make the tag making the blind tag sneaking the pins which is inevitably what got Candido to unless from the win um it's clever writing and paul was so clever at doing things like that that were real um and the the variable in this and i forget the exact story but uh Tammy Lynn Sitch, Sonny, who was under contract. This is May 1998. She was just at WrestleMania. Yeah. A month before April, May, two months before. She was still definitely under contract to WWE at the time, uh, managing Legion of Doom 2000. Uh, I think the story was like, she said something like Lance looks cute or something. So Candida was under this jealousy umbrella. Uh, Tammy got hit and Lance picked her up and helped her out. And that still didn't help. Um, And then under contract, she comes out and tries to stop them from fighting. And that was a amazing fourth wall break right there, because you didn't if you were from up north as what they used to call it. If you were from WWF, you were any reference. Anybody was booed. So whenever you heard or seen someone from up north, except for Sonny, because everybody loves Sonny. Um, there
2: was a woman on AOL at the time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I just love that it. it just it just added to the realism of it, that she was willing to just show up. I don't know the details, if she was just allowed to or if she didn't have to tell anybody. She didn't technically wrestle, but, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I just really felt like there was animosity there. Um, unfortunately, Axel and Balls didn't win the titles that night, but it was fun to see how not wanting to lose versus not wanting to work together played out in this match.
2: Yeah, you know, they've been going with the storyline, too, since the November to Remember. That was in November. So, like, this is a couple months, and they are still going with this. So, it's really interesting. I, I forget who they dropped the titles to, but it's going to be interesting to see when they eventually do lose those titles and go their separate ways. Because I believe that's what, like, leads into, like, the Impact players and I'm going with Just Incredible towards the end of this year. So, I'm really definitely interested in that. Shout out to my boy, Huey. Catch this fade. Thanks for joining, man. All right, so next on the show, we have... ECW pays tribute to the legends of Georgia wrestling. This was awesome. We had Bullet Barb Armstrong. We had Dick Slater. We had Dirty Dog,
3: Dirty Dick Slavia Slater.
2: We had Junkyard Dog, who got probably the biggest ovation out of everybody. The biggest pop,
3: probably the biggest pop of the night, to be, to yeah, be honest. For
2: we had uh, the Mass Superstar, who they said was famous for breaking the neck of uh, Bob Backlund. I thought this was a nice little tribute spot you know ecw didn't usually do this but it was cool to have these legends a part of the show um new jack tells a story about a little running he had with junkyard dog that night and
3: <laughs> i want to hear this
2: <laughs> I, I forgot it was like some like rf video shoot that new jack was on and he talked about how he knew that junkyard dog at the time was on drugs right and new jack who God rest his soul, God rest both of their souls, but New Jack wasn't really one to judge. But he said <laughs> that he didn't want anyone who's on drugs in the locker room, which didn't make much sense.
3: But yeah, so I know said, some things, and it wasn't just, yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead. I, I'm not putting anyone on blast.
2: Yeah, so he, he tells Junkyard Dog, you got to leave. And Junkyard Dog said, why do our I'm a legend. What are you talking about? Right. And he said, I heard you do crack. So. New- drunk your dog tells new jack yeah i was doing with your mother and then they get into like a little scuffle and they had to be separated <laughs> so like literally right before drunk dog came out it literally happened right before there was a, like a little scuffle between him and new jack
3: <laughs> new jack's match it's like it right after, right after the segment oh, <laughs> that's shit. why new jack came out already all pumped up and looked like he was ready to kill somebody because he just got into a little he was, he was, was always out. ready to kill somebody
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> what up kofi What's he- uh, yep, we got Chris on man. It's definitely a big episode exactly Talk about calling the kettle black junkyard talking.
3: <laughs>
2: it was It was just a funny ass story that i i don't know' was, I wish I was a fly on the wall to see
3: that yeah i, I a wall very far away <laughs> <laughs> For
2: sure. so after this, we had Joy Styles bring out Shane Douglas, who was severely injured going to the show,
3: right. They made, it, Douglas, they made it very clear to go over all 25 of his injuries. A yeah, few times. fractured palate, um, orbital, yeah,
2: orbital, elbow,
3: and crack, like said, everything, infected sinuses. <laughs> yeah, this dude should not have been clear to be in public, let alone a wrestling game.
2: Yeah, for sure. But, um, I, I thought that this was funny because the go home show to this, we had Shane Douglas like as the definite heel. Like beating up Al Snow, tie him up, and just like going to town on him. And then, I, I believe those shows were shown on a Friday in New York. So this that was a- about
3: right because I would watch them at like 1 a.m. on TNN.
2: Yeah. So this this was a Sunday. So two days later and he's being presented as like the heroic wrestler who was going to wrestle through injuries. I just thought it was a little weird how they went from, all right, this is like our top heel to this is our top like babyface like fighting through injuries. But yeah, man, like he, he was all like taped up. His elbow was all taped up and he cut this promo, how Shawn Michaels was a pussy for giving him the title with just a little bit of a head bump. Yeah. And talk about what, um, Scott Hall and other wrestlers who like were injured and they go home for like six months, but he's wrestling through his injuries and how he's a real man. And he remembers when wrestling was a sport and just the typical franchise Shane Douglas promo. And then now comes Taz to ruin all the fun. Taz, who's the most miserable man on the planet at this time feels he's owed a title shot since he's the guy who injured Shane Douglas says that I'm the one who should be in the world title matchup. He tells Shane Douglas to hand him over the title because I'm rightfully so the world champion. I'm the one who injured you. You shouldn't be wrestling. Hand me over the title. This leads to a big brawl. Taz is escorted out. You got the triple threat checking on him, on uh, Shane Douglas. He's bleeding through the mouth. And now this question for the main event. What's going to happen in the main event? Real
3: quick on that, I love this subtle uh, nod, but Francine was wearing a white dress. And, And the blood got on the front of her dress, and you see her look, oh my God! And... If that was written into the script, it's fucking genius. If it wasn't, beautiful coincidence. But to wear that outfit during that mouth bleed was fucking beautiful.
2: Yeah, and she she's tearing up. She's crying in the ring, seeing Shane Douglas all injured and hurt, which the, the drama was amazing. And, like, the acting was amazing. So this actually added to the drama. And I thought that was funny. I love the fact that Taz was put into a car, and he's, like, kicking through windows, and he's, like, a madman trying to get out the car.
3: This I was just a crazy I segment. Saw that. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought that was pretty
2: cool. Just a crazy segment, but definitely it, it led to the questions of is Shane Douglas even going to be able to make it to the main event tonight?
1: Protesters and supporters alike are lined up outside the United States Supreme Court this afternoon as a decision in the most hotly debated case in years is set to be delivered.
2: But like I said, Triple Throw was in the ring. They all escort Shane Douglas to the back. But Bam Bam Bigelow stays in the ring because his match is next. And he's going against the guy who I just said got into a little scuffle with the Junkyard Dog. He's going against New Jack. And this was a clash of styles, but I thought it worked. I thought that this was a fun brawl between them. I hated the fact that we didn't listen to, uh, we couldn't hear Natural Born Killers. We were listening to some whatever dubbed over hip-hop song that they gave New Jack. But for sure, this was a classic little ECW brawl between New Jack and Bam Bam Bigelow that got both of them bloodied. We've seen a balcony dive from New Jack where he goes diving with a guitar and hits Bam Bam with a guitar. But it looks like he injured himself more than he injured Bam Bam. I Overall, I thought that this was a great matchup because you know I love New Jack. I love his personality. I love his hardcore brawls with the music playing in the background like a movie scene. But I'm also a huge fan of Bam Bam Bigelow, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So I honestly forgot that they even had a match. This is not the typical wrestler that Bam Bam Bigelow would be facing in ECW. So I thought that this was a real cool clash of styles, but
3: a styles clash that worked. It didn't even come off as sanctioned. I don't think there was a bell ringing at the beginning. (laughs) I thought it was just New Jack wanted to come out and fight as New Jack, you know, New Jack's going to New Jack for sure. Exactly. And um, with a target as large as Bam Bam, with all due respect, it really played into what New Jack was allowed to do with that balcony dive, which I mean, he mostly always hit them, kind of, and that's usually he usually definitely takes the worst of those, I think, for um, sure. But I, I could be wrong. I think what happened: New Jack did the dive, landed on Bam Bam, but Bam Bam got up first and carried him to the ring for the pin.
0: <laughs> Is that yeah. what
3: I think I saw? Because there was like a yeah. thousand people there, and it, it was a bloody mess for sure. But I think that's how the match ended.
2: Yeah, um uh, he came off with the with the guitar. I believe he connected with the guitar, but he landed feet first. So I'm sure he must have hurt himself badly. Yeah, he sure. must have jumped like at least 15 feet in the air. And then, yeah, next thing you know, Bam Bam's carrying him to the ring. Yeah, and he gets the victory. But like I said, it was a, it was a
3: Styles clash, but definitely interesting, and I thought it worked. Yeah, I mean, this is you're not going to get anything out of New Jack besides that. That's it. It's for just sure. a matter of. What did he bring to the ring this time? A shopping cart full of keyboards, guitars, fucking- A Godzilla toy, which by the way, I I had one of those Godzilla toys. (laughs) It made the roar, roar, right? Yeah. yeah.
2: For sure, that was entertaining. But, and you could tell, like, I don't know how you, like, I guess, fake the nut shot with the the crutch, but that looked vicious. And Bam Bam was checking on himself a couple times after that. (laughs) Speaking of hardcore, we're going to even we're going to stay with the theme of hardcore wrestling here. We have oh, yeah. a classic tag team matchup. Not a, this one might not be a classic, but a classic feud in ECW. Yeah,
3: between for sure.
2: the Dudley Boys versus Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman. Um, a couple weeks ago on ECW Hardcore TV, it was supposed to be Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman versus the Dudley Boys in Fort Lauderdale, but Joel Gertner brought out the Bushwhackers as the newest members of the Dudley Boys. And as Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman were fighting the Bushwhackers, the Dudley boys, including Big Dick Dudley, all three of them attacked Tommy and the Sandman from behind and hit a devastating 3D on the Sandman, injuring his neck. So that's why in this matchup you saw he was moving a little gingerly and then had to be taken back out because he re-injured the neck in this matchup. But like I said, if you want to talk about ECW and what like epitomizes ECW, it's these type of hardcore brawls where – anything could happen. Sandman has to be taken out. Spike Dully just randomly joins the matchup and he's sanctioned in the matchup because he goes for a pin and the referee counts. But this was everything that I remember ECW to be just wild, wild West craziness. I I love this.
3: Yeah. And there was a time in ECW and I think only in ECW where you, I'm going to say this as carefully as possible. You didn't know how good the Dudley Boys are at wrestling, I think, honestly, until they got to main roster WWE. Um, not that they were bad wrestlers, but they didn't have the storylines to show it, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, they were always in hardcore matches. There was always six of them. Uh, there was always outside interference, and there was always there was always weapons. So you never got to see them do what they did when they became the greatest tag team of all time up on Raw. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that being said, this was a class – this is this is a, a blood feud. It always has been, especially the Dudley boys and then Spike Dudley and anyone who he's helping out with. Yeah, um, Spike Dudley obviously starting out on their side, getting kicked out, and then always just being the, the runt of the group, the thorn in the side, always running in, always trying to get his one-up and sometimes getting it, but then also always getting um, – paying for that as well. You know, like he would come in, hit the um, acid drop, and then get thrown up into the third row and that's who spike Dudley was <laughs> yeah yeah um but classic tag hardcore match it was, it was messy it was sloppy um sign guy who i love who always had a clever sign uh this i think it had a stop sign inside of the cardboard cutout Joey Styles referred to it as like yeah. a loaded sign i thought that was super clever um but yeah this only moved the storyline further um Tommy Dreamer and Sandman weren't always exactly best friends, but they did have common enemies most of the time because they were both faces on just two different sides of the fence. And the Dudley boys were everybody's enemy. So anyone you can get to face the Dudley boys, they were your homie for sure. I think
2: Joey Styles had a lot of enjoyment with the innuendos for every time Big Dick Dudley had any move because – even on Hardcore hey, TV, he, you know, every time Big or
3: something like that, I forget what he. I forget what one of the yeah, he hit
2: him. a choke slam and he called it the total penetration. Yeah, um, a couple weeks ago, he hit a like a double clothesline on Tommy Dreamer and the same man, and he said Big Dick unloads. Like, Joyce Styles had a lot of fun at his job, and it yeah, showed. But definitely, I, I like this matchup. I think um, it was a nice nod to what happened to Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman a couple weeks ago, like I said, in Fort Lauderdale, because Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman were both on the ropes, like, leaning there after the beatdown, and then Devon and Bubba came back into the ring. Bubba had the candlestick, stick, Devon had the chair, and they hit Tommy Dreamer and the Sandman. Here, when Sandman comes back out with the neck brace, they have the Dudley boys leaning on the ropes, do the same spot for them. So even uh, Joey Styles mentions how that was a receipt. I thought that was a cool little storytelling moment there to like bring back the original brawl that started the feud. But good matchup. I, I enjoyed it. And like I said, you know, this was a classic feud between two teams that every time they got together, you knew you were going to see something violent. And, you know, for as much as ECW is known for their great wrestling, their comedy spots, they're also known for their violence. And it's hard to find two better teams that brought that type of violence than the Belly Boys and Tommy in the same name.
3: Yeah. yeah. If you at home have a chance, with all due again with all due respect, if you have a chance, go back and watch Beulah McGillagetty do her work. She was such a good girlfriend character um, yeah. to Tommy Dreamer throughout her entire career, which was short-lived. You know, as she she came and she went. Um, she really wasn't there for the long haul, you know. She's not there for a long time, just a good time. And she was fun. She's one of my favorites of all time. Um, for sure, yeah. this this entrance with Tommy Dreamer kind of backtracking A plus plus. For sure. (laughs) Definitely go back and watch that Tommy Dreamer entrance.
2: Next, we have the ECW Television Championship match. It is Rob Van Dam versus Sabu. You know, it was supposed to be Sabu versus Bam Bam Bigelow. That was the match that was announced on Hardcore TV. But just two weeks ago, Rob Van Dam beats Bam Bam Bigelow in Buffalo, New York, for the television title. Sabu said that Van Dam was just there to, I guess, warm up Bam Bam Bigelow. And... Dam ends up winning, so Sabu didn't have faith that Van Dam could actually beat Bam Bam. Van Dam beats Bam Bam, and this is how we get this matchup. Um, Sabu, the week before this, was in a matchup with Al Snow, who was obviously the number one contender for the World Heavyweight Champion, and had Al Snow beat. And as the referee was counting the three, Van Dam threw in the towel because he was concerned about Sabu's health. So there was a lot of back and forth going uh, into this matchup. And I thought for the first half of this matchup, it was very entertaining. Um, I like the fact that Van Damme got on the mic and said that it was all, you know, everyone's all gullible. We're not going to really fight. That's my tag team partner. But then Sabu turns on Rob Van Damme to start the matchup. Um, A lot of innovative spots. You know, Van Damme and Sabu were two of the most innovative wrestlers of all time. So a lot of innovative spots in here. I just felt like towards the ending of the matchup, it started to drag a little bit, and we found out why they were going to go with the time limit draw. But there was a lot of spots in here. I'm like, why is Van Dam not going for the pin? Like, he hits a five-star frog splash through a table and then picks him up to hit, like, a, whatever, he, like, a slam or something. And I'm like, it's a little weird. Like, why is Van Dam not going for the win here? But then we got the time limit draw, which the crowd did not like. You know, they were chanting bullshit. They were chanting five more minutes. But we go with a draw. So, Van Dam's first title defense of his historic two-year reign is a Two draw. Years.
3: Yeah, this storyline essentially never ended, but in a good way. There was always um, a conflict of interest in this, and the big caveat to that, the big catalyst to that,
0: was Mister Right Down the Middle,
3: Daddy O, Rob Van Dam, Sabu. I'm gonna call it even, baby. Yep, Mister Bill Alfonso, um, who, no matter how you look at it, I'm coming out a winner. RVD, Sabu, it don't matter. Bill Alfonso. And that storyline was so amazing. And you can see both of them rolling their eyes. Like this fucking guy. um, Who was always playing both sides. I I think it was in this match where RVD... Bill Alfonso would always hold up the chair for the Van Daminator. I think it was (laughs) in this match where he's like, threw him the chair, he holds it up, and then as soon as Van Dam goes for the kick, he pulls it down and he just just kicks Sabu without the chair. And... (laughs) And Sabu just starts talking to uh, uh, Bellaponto. Just starts talking to the camera, <laughs> like right down the middle. He turned around instantly, like he held it, brought it back, and he was like, "Either way, I win, Daddy." <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. it just it's endless possibilities with this kind of writing and having two again best friends as a tag team who hate each other, who are also both going for both belts essentially at that time. Yeah, uh, and this lasted for as long as he, Rob Van Dam had that title for two years. I completely forget who he even lost it to if he did at all. I think he... He had to drop injury. It. Right. So he didn't technically lose it, but I know that he shortly after came back and beat Taz for his heavyweight title or some shit like that. Or... No, that's not right. No, Taz, he, lost, he, it. Taz lost it to Mike Awesome, but I know RVD beat Taz after that as kind of the, the get-the-fuck-out-of-ECW match. I think that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, Something like that. It was two years later. Leave me alone. Uh yeah, this match was hilarious because yeah, when Rob Van Dam's like, can you smell can you spell dullable? And then he gets down and they're gonna give um the ref the whisper in the wind or some shit like that? Who, who, they weren't yeah. attacking Bill Alfonso, were they?
2: No, they were attacking uh Jeff Jones, the ref, yeah. Jeff who Jones, that's right. Yeah. Jeff Jones,
3: who also was a red herring. Um and Sabu just I can't believe how this wasn't the stiffest soccer cat I ever seen just clobbers Van Dam in the jaw with that kick. And then the match goes on. And then you obviously know why hindsight that it went to a draw. And I mean, we've seen plenty of matches that go to a draw that do get that overtime that would not have benefited this storyline though. So they let it roll and the fans hated it. Um, but the storyline got to continue. And it was one of my favorite storylines of all of ECW. For sure. sure. who never beat them for that belt ever. Yeah. I don't even know if Sabu ever beat him at all in ECW in a singles match.
2: I'm trying to think, I, I don't think so either. I know yeah, they had exactly. like,
3: uh, two years before they
2: had like a stretcher match. Van Dam won that. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Van Dam always beat Sabu, or they went to a draw, which is exactly. funny. But yeah, that that stiff kick to Van Dam's face—like people want to talk about Randy Orton's punt.
3: Like that was this kick was so I I don't understand how it wasn't real. It looked so bad. It was nasty.
2: But that leads us to the main event, ECW World Heavyweight Champion franchise Shane Douglas versus Al Snow, who, by the way, is over as fuck at this time, man. Like, the whole entrance with the rave party effect with everybody with the head in the crowd, just amazing, man. It's it's sad that Al Snow is not too long for the ECW world. He's only here for a short time, and it's shortly after this he's back in the WWF. But he was really a star who caught lightning in a bottle with that gimmick. And that crowd loved him. That crowd was ready for him to be champion and just run with him, which is a shame that he didn't get that opportunity. Spoiler alert. But it's like even the lead up to this, everybody, every time Al Snow came out, he was one of the most over guys in that venue. And I think that, you know, it's a shame that he wasn't here for a much longer time because I feel like if it wasn't due to the fact that he was heading back to the WWF, Because I believe he was only there for a short time. He was only there for like a developmental thing. Like He was Leaf Cassidy teaming up with Marty Jannetty before this. And Shinobi. Yeah. Gosh,
3: Shinobi. Shinobi and then the new Rockers, and that was it.
2: So they send him to ECW for about a year, and he's coming up on that year. So that's probably why he didn't win the title here. But if he was here for a longer period, I think without a doubt he would have been one of the most – Celebrated champions in ECW history just because how much that crowd loved him. The match overall, it was a shorter match. Um, understandably so. Shane Douglas is injured as hell. He's barely walking into this matchup. But um, first thing Shane Douglas do- does, he takes off his arm brace, which I thought was interesting. You know, he he's going to take this beating like a man, apparently. But really good matchup. I thought that
0: Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney Sarah Weddington for challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee William H. Macy as Supreme Court Justice Harry Blackman.
1: My chief qualification being.
2: It showed a different side of ECW, the more, like, technical brawling side. And I was surprised, even though, like, I was called, I saw this when it happened, right? Because I actually had this on VHS. I just couldn't find it. And I don't even think I have work in VCR anyway if I found it. <laughs> but <laughs> I was surprised. I remember when Shane Douglas won this matchup because I thought, just because of how popular Al Snow was at the time, and because of how injured Shane Douglas is, he's obviously going to need to take time away after this matchup. I was surprised that he won this matchup. Overall, though, I I like the celebration at the end with everyone coming out, picking them both up on the shoulders, and they shake hands. Um, Definitely a babyface moment for the franchise, Shane Douglas, who is the top heel at the
3: time. Yeah. um, Obviously, the lead-up to this was how injured Shane Douglas was. Um, Then we got to see, before this, the locker room promo from Al Snow, which was very stern, very serious. A little long-winded. I think it went on for about six minutes, um, which it, it is what it is. But the the juxtapose to that was how stern and serious and mature Al Snow was in this. And you wait for it if you know the character just for him to you, – you find out that he's talking to head the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> <Twice> <laughs> stuff, man. Which was so beautiful because I knew it was coming because I'd seen it. But if you don't know, then you watch and you're like – Oh, what the fuck? You were talking to a plastic or a styrofoam head this whole time, which I love. And I can see what Vince saw in this particular version of Al Snow was um, merchandising through the fucking roof. Because when that character went to to Raw, it was the same effect. He was as over as rover. Everybody in the audience had the head. The head chants were deafening. And if they weren't handing them out, they were selling them out. Um, Do you remember the action figure controversy with Al Snow? I it got head, right? And that was like, don't say that because it means blowjobs?
2: No. So they had the action figure. <laughs> was,
3: where I come from.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, same here. But <laughs> what's it called? So the action figure came with, like, head. And I'm going to do
3: right here real quick. Keep talking. So,
2: so what happened was I believe some MIT professor saw it and put out an article saying that the WWF is promoting a man walking around with a decapitated woman's head.
3: It has a metal... I'm looking at it. I see it right here. He's wearing the Job Squad shirt, which is beautiful. It has the metal ream on it from a mannequin stand. So,
2: WWF had to take it off the market because they didn't want people to be confused thinking that they condone, I guess, beheading women, which I don't know who condones beheading women, but that was a whole controversy, and ever ever since then, Al Snow figures came with like a styrofoam-looking head, like the white one, and not with the head. So yeah, for a time period, Al Snow lost a lot of merchandise money in figures because...
3: I'm looking at one, uh, this might be fake, but it has pepper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I, think think I think that's fake. <laughs> that looks fake as fuck. I would never... That's bad. <laughs> that is dark. <laughs> for
2: real. <laughs> but yeah, so Al Snow lost a lot of money, he says, due to uh, not being able to sell his action figure. I was actually lucky to actually have the action figure. You know, now on eBay, it goes for like mad money because it was like taken off the market. When I was younger, I didn't know better, so I opened that shit up as soon as I got it. But, yeah, I had right. like, the little yeah. head, and it's, it's just crazy to think that anyone could mistake that as a wrestler who walks around with a real decapitated woman's head, and that's a gimmick. And, like, I don't know why. It made, like, public – it made mainstream news. Nobody looked into the gimmick to see what's actually going on cool here. Not.
3: That was the whole thing in the Attitude Era with video games and violence yeah. and the Columbine thing. Anybody was pointing fingers anywhere else but themselves. Crazy um, there were so many other things that happened during the Attitude Era that that got, you know, coverage for shit like that. And that was one of the lesser, um, I'll, I'll say crimes because there's not a better word for it. But, the, you know, lesser things to worry about was a fucking styrofoam head. We just It takes 10 seconds to Google it. I mean, OK, Google wasn't around, so never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd actually but, have to wait till Monday to watch the show. <laughs> but yeah, the match itself was. I am not going to use the word good in any sense of the word. It was maybe entertaining. It had storyline. It was maybe Shane Douglas's worst match, and I'm gonna blame Al Snow for that because how many great matches does Shane Douglas have versus how many great matches does Al Snow have? Especially, I mean, the- especially at this time, the last couple of weeks, like I said, Hardcore TV
2: leading up to this, great match against Sabu, great match against Van Dam. He had a great match against Candido. I know those wrestlers are all great wrestlers. Yeah, there and- we go. There we go. That's a Bret Hart though. I feel like he had to hold back a little bit because of how injured Shane Douglas was, because like I said, for weeks leading up to this, I was seeing him pull out acai moonsaults and doing all these crazy spots and technical wrestling. And I feel like he had to hold back because how injured Shane Douglas was, which leads me to say, like, why wasn't there an audible call then if this guy was so injured that you couldn't wrestle a full
3: matchup? This was May 1998. Uh, I'm going to assume that Al Snow already had his contract signed and he was on his way out anyways, and why give him the belt if he's just going to go up north? That, to me, I've always thought that that's exactly what happened. Um, I'd have to – I can Google it right now when Al Snow – Al Snow debuted. That's like, I, I can't confirm it, but I believe that
2: at this time, like soon after he was back on WWF television.
3: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I don't think that they were going to put the belt on him, knowing that that contract is probably either in his inbox or already signed at the time. Um, definitely later than '97. '98. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talking head, talking head attitude era. It just, yeah, it just says '98. So I'm just, you know, whether or not him coming back to WWE had an effect on that, I don't think him winning the belt may have been the right move at the time because that's kind of like, this and and then what just Shane's gonna get it back again or like it's just kind of hard to sell a good guy having the belt long term he can have yes. it for one night and you get that cheer um which we we kind of we got a bullshit chant and then we got a cheer because of the result and to, to be honest that looked like a it looked like the correct finish but it was a little sloppy also went for like a sunset flip from the top kind of botched it shane sat down surprise pin um I just don't know where they would have gone without Al Snow having the belt. I don't know what would have been next for him, like feuding with Sabu again, because that's a leftover storyline from the week before. Maybe um, Taz, because I know Tez was calling out Al Snow, how he's not fit to
2: be in the main event. I'm the guy who should be in the main event. So, you know, Al Snow never really had a response to Taz, so maybe they could have went with that feud. But definitely, Yeah, you know, that would have
3: been interesting. But, like, what was the whole thing? Quit talking to that fucking star from head and get in here. Like, <laughs> That would have been the whole feud. And then Taz would have thrown him across the ring. And then Taz mission to the head. And then that was it. Taz mission to the head. I'm just (laughs) – You don't have a throat, so it's going to be a blood choke. (laughs) So, but I mean, if – Oh, I also love that the locker room did empty before the ending of the match to play the Lumberjacks to keep Triple Threat from interfering. That was cool. Mm -hmm. I did appreciate that um i think axel rotten led that charge he was always the guy who came out first and the locker room followed i think he was kind of the locker room boss he did that when taz lost the belt too i was gonna say
2: when taz lost his last uh night he was like the first one out too
3: first one out was axel and he was the first one to get people to clap so i think axel was kind of always like the the gym boss or the the what's up what the fuck is cm punk call himself in the locker locker room yeah the locker room leader um Not the best ECW pay-per-view, but I would have to watch the rest of them to see if it was the worst. And we're talking the Paul Heyman era. We're not talking the TNA one-night stands, the fucking John Cena stuff, none of that. Just pure ECW. Yeah, There weren't that many of them. I've probably seen them all. Uh, I Either way, I enjoyed it. I was quoting things as they were happening that I forgot that I knew. I'm like, oh, this is when Joey Styles says this. Um yeah. This is when Joel Gertner says that, or when Bill Alfonso says this, or the Al Snow thing. I remembered all those things. Just putting a, a marquee to that pay-per-view event is all I did. And um, I would I would watch it again. It's it's definitely a super rewatchable pay-per-view, for sure.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I think that... Um, I think it was a good show. Main event, I believe it was... I don't know, it's hard to say, because I enjoyed every matchup for what it was. I just feel like with the time limit draw and then the shorter more sloppier match in the main event that kind of took it down a couple notches. And also I I saw a lot of criticism about the crowd being quiet. The crowd was electric for this. And I know it's not the typical ECW like venue. She's got herpes
3: is one of the best chants of all time. And they chanted it to both Chastity and Francine.
2: But even when Francine, like even when Francine's checking on Shane Douglas after Taz attacks him, when they show Taz getting put in the car, you can hear the crowd still chanting, show your tits. And I'm yeah. like, that's ECW. I mean shit. Like, I don't know. Like I, I saw, yeah, oh, there were it was definitely a WCW crowd. I mean, come on. Why they were, would they, they were, go
3: then? They still exactly. had to buy tickets, I think, unless they were, you know, comped, which is what WCW was doing a lot back then, just to fill seats. I don't. I don't yeah. think a lot of ECW was out there giving away free tickets. Um, I mean, I, know I think all hey, I
2: the show was just that it went. The RVD match went to a time limit draw, and people wanted to see an overtime, and they never got it. And then you had Shane Douglas wrestled injured, and it kind of they had to wrestle a safe style for the main event. That's the only thing I could see that pulled the show down a little bit. But besides that, it was a fun watch to me.
3: Yeah, and that right there to me is at the core what pro wrestling needs to be. It needs to be fun exactly. um, and entertaining. That The FBI match, it was sloppy as fuck, but it was That's funny. W. It was clever. So polished. People were chanting, they were cheering, they were booing. Getting a reaction out of a crowd is so hard to do, especially if you're a good guy. That's why there's so many heels in pro wrestling. Is It's yeah. easy to be unlikable, but to get people to cheer you? is next to impossible. John Cena is a diamond in the rough. Yeah. See what happened to Roman. He tried so hard to get people to like him that they hated him. And especially in this era,
2: this is 98. Stone Cold was the cool bad guy who was like a badass, and that's the only reason why he was cheered is because he's what everybody wanted to be. So you didn't have like white meat baby faces getting cheered in this time period. It was like the blurring of the lines, especially in 98. Cause this is when Austin Three Sixteen really started taking off with a few with McMahon and all that. So I think that it's a credit to like the BWO to get cheered in this because yeah, it was a different crowd. This is not the eighties.
3: Yeah. They were, this crowd was one of the first sick of your shit crowds of all time. If anything, it was the first crowd that you could not bullshit. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that they weren't having fun. They didn't appreciate comedy or the BWO, which is pure comedy was also satire. And they got that, you know, FBI was satire um, even if you go forward to, like, um, the Baldies, shit like that, like, yeah. serious characters that were funny. The ECW crowd only booed you when you underperformed and – or did, like, a insane botch or something. or You Fucked Up found, Chance. Yeah, like You Fucked Up Chance, those came from ECW and they still exist today, which I adore. Or if they found out that you were going up north or down yeah. south. So, the ECW crowd, like I said at the beginning, they were they were fair – but they were fun for sure. And we we are the ECW crowd. We've been to ECW, so we can this is our brethren and sister in, if that's the sure. and the they them ins or whatever you are. For sure. And you went to ECW, you were part of that that historic crowd that dictated the future of pro wrestling. Because if it wasn't for a crowd like that who was fucking sick of the race car drivers, sick of the dentists, sick of the tax guys, sick of the dean. Douglas characters, which we yeah. all know, in Douglas we couldn't have been sicker than anyone about that character. Yeah. We were just sick of it all.
2: Even a guy like Chris Candido, who's uberly talented in the
3: ring. Kip, he was, the Belladonas. like, come on. Yeah. Like, Belladonna skip. You went, to, you went to ECW to be who you are. Yeah. There was no, I'm making sure I'm covering my ass, fantasy there. There was no guy who could shoot fireballs out of his dickhole or fart <laughs> shamrocks or anything like yeah. that. It was just that guy's from Brooklyn, and that's his character.
2: Mm-hmm. Pretty much,
3: yeah. Pretty much.
2: But I definitely enjoyed this. I, I I like going back and watching ECW, so I, I really feel like Wednesdays are like my favorite episodes to do for the Wrestling Delorean. And like I said, you're always welcome. But I mean, definitely, I think for all the pay-per-views, at least going forward, I would love to have you on to do these reviews again.
3: Send me the next one, and I'll watch it. I'm I'm totally down. Like, sounds it's a good. It's a good excuse to go back in time on the wrestling glory.
2: <laughs> I mean, shit. If you want to do the hardcore TVs to build up to it too, because every week I'm doing hardcore TV to build up to the pay-per-views.
3: You're always welcome. Like I said, that is time pending, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but definitely, man, I appreciate you coming on the show and yeah. Shout out the band. You know, you, you got the big gig this Sunday at the whiskey.
3: Shout yeah. We to- got a couple lined uh, up next week. Uh, FDS yeah. also known as fate destroyed is playing the whiskey go-go this Sunday, Memorial day weekend, September something rather fourth. Yeah. And then two days later, we are flying out to uh, essentially Danville, Virginia, to play Blue Ridge Rock Festival, which is headlined by bands like Slipknot, Mudvayne. I mean, 150 bands are playing this thing. It's a four-day event. It is one of the biggest rock festivals in the world, and we could not be happier to be a part of it. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Fate Destroyed Band, or FDS. We have a link tree, fatedestroyed.com. All our music's free. We have a shop that's getting renovated, but we are down to sell you shit when you need it. Definitely definitely support the band and also
2: support Circle Debate. Hit that subscribe button right now. That's our home. I, I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate everybody in the chats. And I will be here on Friday with the new episode of the Wrestling DeLorean podcast. But also, I will be here tomorrow with episode 117 of Circle of Debate. So, everybody, thank you for joining. Take care. Love you guys. I'll catch you guys on Friday.
3: Bow to your sensei.